Hey, boys and girls, thank you so much for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. Have you thought about changing that little entrance up? You've been doing that the same way, too. Hmm. Hello, podcast world. This is your pal, Andy. <laughs> OJ. Oh, OJ. Uh, but seriously, thank you so much for tuning in. We're coming up on our millionth download in under two years. It's a big deal to us. We're very, very proud of it. Uh, and none of it's possible without you great listeners. So we're going to be doing a little giveaway. We are going to be giving away four-man. Four-man, two-day goose hunt or, or crane, crane hunt, hunt, December 7th and 8th. Stay at the world-famous Big Honker Lodge in Knox City, Texas. Come in on December 6th, dinner that night. On the morning of the 7th, a uh, goose hunt with lunch, uh, breakfast and lunch that day. Dinner again the night of the 7th with lodging. Breakfast and goose hunt on the morning of the 8th. And that's for December 7th and 8th. Also, you will be winning a case of Boss Ammo. 20-gauge, 12-gauge, 28, 410, whatever it is that you shoot. Pacific Game Calls is going to be giving away a goose hunt. Or goose call, I'm sorry, a goose call. And Dive Bomb Decoys will be giving away two dozen silhouettes. It's a heck of a deal. Uh, be looking out on Instagram for the rules, because that's where it's going to be. Instagram. My Instagram. Uh, and then all the rules will be laid out there. So, On your personal Instagram or Stanford Hunting's Instagram? On my Instagram. Well, it'll be on both. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to do with uh, Instagram is, is where we're going to pick our winner from. So. Okay. So everybody that doesn't have Instagram, go get Instagram, sign up for it, get in on the giveaway, and that's all you have to do. We because some it doesn't matter if we do it on Instagram or Facebook or what we do. Someone is left out if we do it by iTunes reviews. Somebody always has something different, so you got to go get an Instagram to get in on this giveaway. And we've done a bunch of iTunes, so we're gonna switch it up a little bit. So that's what we got going on here. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Turkey season's here. We got some prime real estate right on the river. You want to shoot a gobbler? We can take you to shoot a gobbler. I can take you to shoot a gobbler. You so, can do the 410 challenge on this. <clears throat> you can do the 410 challenge. Go to Boss, get some 410 shotgun shells. We can do the 410 challenge right here at the Big Honker Lodge. Give us a call, 940-658-3172. Get on the books for this coming turkey season. It's going to be here before you know it. It's going to be bloody for Mr. Tom Turkey. Or if you're looking for a waterfowl hunt or dove hunt for this fall and winter, give us a call. Look us up, stanfieldhunting.com. We're also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries, the leader in silhouettes. They've changed the game. Everybody's running skinnies. You should, too. Go to divebombindustries.com. Brand new pantail socks are coming out. It is time to add to your spread. It's the off-season mostly everywhere, so go to Dive Bomb Industries. Start looking ahead to this fall, this winter. Go over there. Get what you're going to need. Socks, silhouettes. Decoy's on a budget. Buy, you can buy a couple, you know, five, ten dozen every month. Old lady doesn't realize that you've got that many decoys. Send them, to your, send them to your friend's house. Send them to your office to have them. Anyways, go to Die Bomb Decoys. That's DieBombIndustries.com. We're also brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. they got a challenge going on for you turkey hunters. We're going to see how good you are. Boss Shot Shells. You shoot a 410. Uh, you can go to there. You can go figure out what they're doing. But it's a 410 challenge. See how good of a turkey hunter you are. Get them in nice and tight. Uh, they make the best shotgun shell that's out there right now. It's all American made. The people from Boss are great. Brandon, Lee, Meg, salt of the earth people. Hits like a freight train. You only have to shoot them once. No cripples. BossShotShells.com. Like I said, it's all American made. Great product, great people. Go check them out at BossShotShells.com. 
And also, we're brought to you by Pacific Calls. Got a promo code. Got a promo code. BHP25 will save you 25% off of checkout. They've got goose calls, duck calls, turkey calls. They've got it all. One-stop shop. If you need to call that bird in, you can go to PacificCustomCalls.com, use the promo code BHP25, and save you some money, some green. Their speckle belly call is out of this world. It's easy to blow. Good range. It's what I use. Perfect. PacificCustomCalls.com. And also, we're brought to you by Lucky Duck. Spinners, you need them. Blinds, you need them. Dog kennels. You need it. They make the best blind that's on the market right now, the 2x4. We hunt, I hunt it out of it every single day. It's roomy. It hides four grown-ass men. Some of these companies will tell you that it hides four. Theirs actually does. LuckyDuck.com. If you're into predator hunting, they've also got some products for you. They've got it all. One-stop shop. LuckyDuck.com for everything that you need. And we're also brought to you by the Looking Glass Duck Club. You can't get into this duck club. Memberships are full, but you can get some sweet-ass apparel. They got coolers now, don't they? They got coolers now. They got a jacket now. They got a sports hoodie now. And it's all with a guy that's perched up with a rifle in his hand and ducks in the sky. The Looking Glass Duck Club. You can follow them. They've got a new Instagram account, uh, Looking Glass Duck Club, I think is all it is on Instagram. Then the guy that runs it, Logan Pyatt, is Sky underscore Jack underscore Outfitters. And he's the he's the gentleman that runs the Looking Glass Duck Club. Go to their Instagram. They've got a giveaway going on. Logan's going to come down here, do a podcast with us, and then we're going to draw a winner for the cooler that they've got. So be sure, go to the Looking Glass Duck Club on Instagram, find the post, get entered to win that one. Also, we're brought to you by William and Chris Wines. There's no there's no big holiday coming up for wine drinking. Valentine's is over. Uh, there's a big drinking coming up it's called st patrick's day do you drink wine at st patrick's day? i don't drink wine on wine day well you're you a wine should. drinker i'm not you don't need an excuse to drink wine you don't need an excuse to drink this high quality texas wine made in high texas from the guys at william and chris wines skeleton key is out of this world it's a red i love it drink it whenever i'm eating steak something hearty like that makes me feel real uptown you know kind of like trump one Trump, of the Trumps. Trump's not a wine drinker. Donald Jr. I bet is his son is. <laughs> I bet his son is. Uh, great wine. Go to the go to great uh, guys. Texas yeah. wine made by great people. Good good people give back a lot to the community. Jump on overboard and check them out at William Chris. WilliamChrisWines.com. That's it. Yeah, we're not sponsored by nobody else, are we? Nope, because we did Stanfield at the first. Yeah, well, I guess it we're done doing Luke. sponsors. All right, boys and girls, my guest today is the one and only Ted Wells of T. Wells Images on Instagram. The guy takes just, he, he's at the top of his game right now. He's a powerhouse in the wildlife photography industry. Great guy to talk to. And uh, we, we kind of cover, cover everything that's going on right now. Uh, we appreciate him coming on, and we hope that you enjoy him. So here he is, Ted Wells.
All right. <clears throat> Three, two, one. And we're rolling. Ted Wells, how are you, my friend? Doing good, man. How are you? We are. We're, we're rocking and rolling. Jeff is out. We flu-like symptoms is all that he said, but... I got. Uh, I'm in a group message with my mom and brother, and she says it's just allergies. I don't know. She gave him Tamiflu, so we'll see. That ought to work. But I don't know if you follow him or not. But he has been up and down the East Coast, and I guess that's a yeah. hot spot. I don't know. So yeah, taking every yeah, precaution. Everybody's going nuts. You're up in Montana. How is it up there? Uh, same. People are. There's nothing left on the shelves at the grocery store. It's a mess. How big of a town do you live in? That's uh, like 40,000. Oh, yeah. See, it's not that bad out here in the country. No, I know. I wish I was a little further removed, to be honest. Now, are your uh, are your kids out? Did they cancel school up there? Uh, yeah, well, technically they're on spring break, but they've uh, canceled the next, well, canceled through till the 27th. Oof. So they gave him an extra week, but it sounds like it's going to go further. Um, so our school was on spring break the week before. They were on spring break last week, and then they've canceled it two weeks, two weeks, two more weeks. And and I'm on uh, I'm on the school board here, and I was talking to my superintendent, and he said honestly, he said I'll be shocked if we start up after two weeks. Yeah, it's just a mess. Yeah, I'll be surprised if we go back. To be honest, what what's, what's your take on all this? Do you think it's it's as is? You think it's being blown out of proportion? Do you think that it's not as bad as what we're saying? Do you think it's worse than what we think? What do you think? What's Ted Wells think? <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, I think the reasons to stay away from people that are high risk make a lot of sense. Yep. Um, you now, obviously. If you don't know you have the virus and you're around your parents or whatever else, like both of my parents would be extremely high risk. <clears throat> so they were wanting to come down here because my mom's a teacher and they don't have school either. And I told her it probably wasn't a good idea. So <clears throat> I just think, you know, being reasonable about it, washing your hands, doing all the right things and letting it pass is probably the right move. I mean, it sucks, but yeah, it's the truth. Yeah. Um, what, what, what are you doing right now? Like, are you, is there anything, do you have like any photo shoots or anything that you've had to cancel or is this kind of your in between time? I'm kind of in between right now. Um, just doing some local stuff, real estate stuff, but, uh, yeah, nothing that's been pushed off. Yeah. I just saw that the Canadian borders closed, so that could put a damper on snow goose season in Canada, which would really suck. Yeah. I saw that. I, I yeah, I saw that, that just before we called. Yeah, so do we you, have a little bachelor party planned up there in May, but it's not looking so hot. What are y'all doing up there? Fishing? Uh, hunting snows. Oh, all the way into May? How far are you going? Um, It's like central, like the western border of central Saskatchewan. Oof. See, I've, I've missed. Thank goodness the snow bug did not bite me because... Yeah. That that's that's too late to be goose hunting. I'm I'm on the turkeys by then. <laughs> I get it. I, I mean, the turkey bug hasn't bit me. I guess is is my problem. I, you know, I, I haven't snow goose hunted a lot, but um, I've actually, well, when I was younger, I shot some snows when I lived in North Dakota. But you know, I never decoyed them. But I've never decoyed snows um, in the United States in the spring. We shoot them in the fall, but yeah. 
the only place I've ever hunted them, dedicated snow goose is Saskatchewan. And it's a blast. It's totally different than, than in the United States. Are they just dumber or what? They don't have the pressure? They're just a lot more relaxed. Yeah, you don't shoot into the huge groups. You know, you shoot a lot of adults, groups of, you know, a lot of pairs to 10 to 20, but you're not shooting into the megawatts because you can't use extension tubes. And there's oh, a limit. Oh. So you're, you know, you got to be a little more picky, but it's, it's a lot like Canada goose hunting, honestly. Yeah. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know you didn't have to, I didn't know you couldn't have an extension tube up there. Yeah, no extensions. You can use electronic calls, and then the limit's 20. Huh. Per person, so it's kind of fun. Now, will you take a camera on this, or when you're doing something like this, are you, are you strictly hunting? I'll have a camera for sure laying next to my gun, but I'll be shooting both. How do you do that? Do you, is it just as they're coming in, you're, you're just ripping away on the camera, and then you can set it down quick enough that you can pick up your gun? Yeah, generally, or I'll alternate volleys or, you know, just kind of shoot whatever. If I see something to shoot, I'll shoot it. If not, I'll shoot the gun. Yeah. And the turkey bug hasn't bitten you, huh? No, I, I've killed one turkey uh, last year. I hunted for about 25 minutes. <laughs> and I walked into a little public chunk, and there was a big old Tom taking a drink out of the Gallatin River, so I shot him right in the face and picked him up and walked back to the truck. <laughs> I see. <laughs> <laughs> pretty uneventful yeah yeah no no shit it sounds like it 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 got me when i called in my first bird it was just like holy cow i've been missing out on this because um i'm not a big deer hunter i think it's just mind-numbingly boring and mm. the few turkey hunts that i had gone on prior to me calling in this bird were just like a deer hunt like you're sitting you're waiting and i, I wasn't getting I couldn't figure out where the action was. So I was like, there is no way. But um, mm -hmm. my wife was my girlfriend then, is two years younger than me, we're high school sweethearts. And I went to college about two hours away, and I had to figure out a way to get my ass home during during when hunting season's not going on. So I was, I was bound and determined that I was going to figure out how to turkey hunt because that was basically my way of still working, justifying coming home and seeing her. And mm -hmm. I, I fell in love with it. I... I honestly think it's a close toss-up between turkey hunting and waterfowl hunting. If they told me I could have to pick one. Uh, yeah, I'll have to get more into it. I just haven't I haven't felt the, the push to go do it, but I know a lot of, you know, a lot of our friends are crazy about it. Yeah. Now, where all where all did you go this last winter? Where all I saw that you were in Oklahoma for a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, uh that was the last trip down at 737 with Dustin and Kyle. Yep. Um, started off at Texas Teal again with Quackrack and the Lifetime Boys and that whole crew. That was good. Um, the guys from Falco were there. We did a big benefit skeet shoot. Benefit a uh, Texas local kind of a wounded warrior benefit. Now that's in South which Texas, is really right? Cool. Yeah, El Campo, way down. And that's only Mace. Uh, you did that in September. Yeah, it's the teal season. Teal season? How was that? You had a good yeah. teal season? Uh, yeah, the hunts were okay. I mean, it wasn't fast and furious, but we killed 15 or 16 birds, I guess, each morning. Now, can, is there, can you photograph a teal hunt? I mean, other than the sunrise and maybe setting up the decoys? Uh, it's, it's challenging, for sure. 
I mean, it's, A, you don't have a lot of time. The hunts are quick. Right. You know, a lot of it, a lot of the killing is in pretty low light because it's usually first light. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I've got a few good images from all that, but it's, it's definitely a challenge for sure. Yeah. I, cause I, I just think this till season was pretty tough though. It, it was a, it was a screwy, it was a screwy kind of year down mm-hmm. here for us. Um, real wet and then it was kind of hot and we didn't get a whole lot of pushes. Uh, it was the first weekend of teal season was good, but then we never really got anything else. So once we started banging on those birds, it got kind of tough. Yeah. So how long were you down uh, in El Campo for? Uh, we had it, uh, two days and then a morning. So I think I was, I was down there for four days total. And then that's in September. Then what did you do? Uh, what'd you do after that? Um, October went up to Canada, um, with quack rack again, up to, um, prairie waterfowl hunts. It was a good friend of Garrett, the owner of quack rack up there. And it was tough. Canada this year was a huge challenge. The birds were weird. Why, why were they weird? Just sporadic spread out? They were just, yeah, spotty, not consistent, hard to pattern. You know, you get onto a big feed and they'd change their program. And it's just like, like we couldn't really nail them down, it felt like. You know, you still kill a lot of birds, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that epic Canadian experience like everybody, you know, goes up there for. Yeah. But it was still a great trip. Yeah. Canada and gets, then, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Canada gets a tough one because... You know, I think everybody, especially down here, they think, oh, Canada, you know, you're getting these birds fresh off the egg, and they mm-hmm. think it's a lot easier than it really is. You still got to put in the time. Yeah, they're still birds. They're still, I mean, they're not done by any means. Yeah. And so, after Canada, where were we at? Uh, November, did a bunch of local stuff. December, um, had the whole Quack Rec crew come up here to Montana, and we did a late season kind of river type imagery around that with the boat rack and a couple nice boats. Um, had a few good hunts on the river and then, you know, we were, it was spotty here and there, weather wasn't quite right, but shot some birds on the river and then we got on to, uh, our last hunt of the trip was nuts. We got onto this little, um, backwater off the main river undisclosed location mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> and we had nine guys and we shot a full gentleman's limit you got one shell at a time Ooh. one shooter Ooh. we shot 62 green heads and one drake widgeon in about an hour and 15 minutes one at a time it was pretty epic holy shit it was absolutely crazy nine guys one shell mm-hmm. yep. wow did yeah, anybody shot. anybody pull a double? Any, uh, two no. two birds with one shot. Uh uh-uh. uh How no. bi- how big are the flocks coming in? Um, it's you know you have the the big massive flights that go up and down the river, mm-hmm. but we were off the main channel enough where we were pulling like twos and threes. Hmm. I see. I shot the. It, la- was, it was crazy. The last day of season here, I shot an over under twenty eight gauge, and I was, I was in my head. I was, so, I was number one. 
I'm a terrible shot for for doing this seven days a week. I am a piss poor shot, and I've got this 28 gauge. You know, it's it's going to be fun. It's the last day of season. We're going to blow off steam. I was so terrible, but if I miss with the first shot, I'm used to shooting three. So if I miss, I've got two more to go. I would miss with this over and under, and I'm like, oh shit, Andy, you got you got one more, you got one more to do it in, and sure as shit, whiff bigger than hell. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine the pressure of only having one shell with a blindfold of guys that are really going to rip me if I miss. Yeah, you know, I was I was actually pretty surprised that we shot really efficiently. Um, I, I think there was. 30, there was a 30 bird run there where it was one shot, one kill, and nobody missed. Wow. And I don't think we shot more than 75 shells total. Holy cow. I mean, it was. But I have a bad, see, and I've gotten in a bad habit of having three shells, and I just kind of rush. The Definitely mm-hmm. I rush the first one, and then the second one is usually pretty good, and the third one most of the time is just a, a prayer anyway. But maybe if I only had one shell, I might yeah. take it a little bit slower and pick out a really good shot. Yeah, it definitely makes you take your time. Hmm. And, you know, everything was right on this one. It was The hide was ridiculous. We were in two Lucky Duck 2x4s that were disappeared. And, I mean, you could take your time. You know, by the time you stood up and had a, a green head in them, you know, hovering over the decoys at 10 yards, you could take a deep breath. And, I mean, it was... Very easy shooting. Who shot the widgeon? Well, that's a funny story about that. So <laughs> it was my turn um, down the line, and we were right towards the end. I think everybody had their six, and we were finishing off everybody's seven. And the guy to my right, I won't say his name, <laughs> but it was my turn, and here comes this Drake widgeon, and I'm like, well, that's perfect. I'm going to shoot that. Here he comes right into the decoys, and I start to stand up and all i hear is a boom from my right and then a splash in the water and i'm going i guess i'm not shooting that way i got yeah (laughs) (laughs) that sucks so bad do you have a lot of widgeon up there is it mainly mallards uh it's mainly mallards we get a few a few sprinkled in late but not very many what's uh what's your off duck like do you have one like is it is it gadwalls is it widgeon if you do have any? Yeah, I would say the widgeon would probably be the most. Like when we're full of mallards, like what I would consider mid to late season, it's mostly mallards. But I would say when you do shoot an off duck, it's either a gadwall or a widgeon. An occasional pintail sneak in once in a while, but I've only killed three pintails in Montana. I think. Oh wow, they're a beautiful mm-hmm. bird, especially this time of year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They need to, they need Probably to be like careful. Going down to 737. Yeah, I don't get to see that stuff very often, and actually go down there and we pound these massive bull sprigs, and it's just for me. I, I don't you know I don't, we don't ever see it, so it's really cool. Yeah, and the the thing about pintails is they're either going to circle you 17 times and not do it, mm-hmm. and you're going to be saying, "Oh, one more pass, the next pass, the next pass," or they're just right. going to ball up and just do it right for you. Yeah, you're exactly right. Same thing down at seven thirty seven we'd have, you know, a pair of three that would just suck hole and then you'd have a group of six or seven that would I mean, do it perfect, right? But spin seven or eight, <laughs> nine times and then leave or like, man. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it is so frustrating because you're like, okay, next pass, we got them. They're at 40 yards. You're like, ah, next pass, next pass, we got them. Yeah. And then they're all yeah. of a sudden they're at 45 yards. You're like, shit, next pass, we got them. And they just yeah. they do that constantly. I uh, I have a love hate relationship with them, and they dropped our limit to one this year, and it fe- and it seems like we had yeah. a ton of them here. Uh-huh. The the year before we could shoot two, and that was nice because yeah. we have a lot of pintails here. So two of your six, you, you're pretty much going to get, and then you know you can just kind of fill in with other ducks because we don't really here where we are. We don't have a big concentration of. We kind of have a little bit of everything. We got widgeon, we got mallards, pintails, gadwalls. And it's easy to piece together a limit whenever you have two of them are going to be pintails. But yeah. I don't know why. that. But I think it's going to be one again this year. So or I guarantee it's going to be one again this year. But we'll do whatever they say. Have you got the red mud off of all your clothes yet from visiting nope. Oklahoma? No. Nope. I have one dedicated pair of Sitka 737 waders that are hanging here. That it's the only place they go. That's them. <laughs> that's that's the destroyed. one. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, one of our guides, he sent me a Snapchat uh, after he got back home, and he was like, I have cleaned my truck three times, and I'm still finding red dirt and dust from places I didn't even know that were on a pickup truck. Yeah. Yeah, I still have that red mud caked into the zoom ring on my 70-200 lens. Ooh. Can't get it out. Ooh. It is It is sticky, sticky shit. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I don't know what the, I guess you can't do anything. But after oh, a while, it, it, you just kind of blend in. You just kind of blend Great. in because it, you got that perma red on there, and you just blend yeah. in right away. Yeah, Dustin and Kyle's waders they've had for, gosh, I think they've been in sick waders for three years now because they were part of the testing, I believe. But there's a, you can't even tell there's a pattern on them. They're just brick red. Hmm. That's terrible. Did you get any bands yeah. on this big hunt? Uh, nope. Not a one. No bands. We were looking. We were checking every single bird, but nothing. Hmm. Do you shoot a lot of bands up there? Not very many, no. I mean, I don't, personally. I know a few folks in the valley do, but, um, no, we we don't hardly ever. We got one this year. Well, we got one goose band this year. Um, and that was it. I See, I figured on the big birds, you might you might run into more on than, than you do on the ducks. Yeah. But... Now, I think, you know, I think over the years I've noticed that probably more banded mallards get killed than geese huh. through this area. See, yeah, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gotten that at all. Do you have a yeah. lesser population at any point in the season? Uh, I wouldn't consider it a, like a steady population. They definitely come through. We right. shoot a lot of little, little geese, but, um, you know, I think for the most part they're migrating through. They don't stay long. How, uh... How was your winter up there? Was it colder than normal? Was it warm? Did you have a lot of snowfall? Uh, I had a ton of snow. Yeah, it's we still have snow on the ground now. It's snowing outside right now, but I'd say it's pretty average. You know, we didn't get that really cold late season shit that we like. You know, yeah, during hunting season. But you know, it was it was mild. We we had a lot of birds. It didn't really you know push birds out due to temperature, but. Yeah, we call it pretty average. Yeah, because it, it seemed like down here we kept waiting for that big push to come, and it never, mm-hmm. it never. December was terrible here. It was just so yeah. warm, and I didn't. I oh. I figured if you guys had snow, they'd have pushed down. Yeah, we had a little different migration this year because we, like on 
on the opener, September 28th, we were hunting in the snow, which is weird. Yeah. And it got really cold the beginning of October, which is, you know, about a month early, really, yep. for that weather. So we did get a big, massive push right at the beginning of the season, which kind of felt like the birds were unstable. They, they didn't want to be here yet. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, then we had the warm-up where we were into normal temperatures for October, 35, 40, whatever. And then we lost a lot. They spread out a bunch. I don't know where they went. I don't think they went back north, but they definitely thinned out. Yeah. And then, you know, the weather didn't really change much through November, but they seemed to come back. So I don't know if it was just a calendar thing for them or what, but it's kind of different compared to previous years for sure. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know where... Because I'm like you, they surely they wouldn't have gone back north during the thaw, uh-huh. but yeah, it, it, that's that's the way it was here. September, we, we got that, see, so we're about a week or so after y'all, but October was mild for us, and mm-hmm. November was even pretty mild, and then just, we hit that warm-up, and we could not buy a cold north wind in December to save our asses. Yeah. No matter how much we pleaded, it wasn't coming. Mm-hmm. But... uh so, so you'll keep you'll keep your population of geese because I mean it's all. What I'm getting at, do your birds migrate in, or are you shooting a lot of locals out of there year round? Your big geese. Um, we're pretty much. Well, I think we do have a small local population. I don't think it's anything to write home about. I think we're shooting probably ninety percent migrators. So, when, there's when, still a few birds around now, but not very many. When you wake up to hunt in September and it's snowing on the ground, are you just like, oh, shit, what? It's way too early for this, to have to deal with this. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm stoked to go hunting in the snow for sure, uh-huh. early, because that's what we wait for. But it was uh, it was an uneasy feeling, really, because we didn't really know what the birds were going to do or if we were going to have any birds around. But See. It was good early. It was consistent through the middle of the season and i would say pretty average consistent through the end are you sick of snow i mean it's six months now you've still got snow on the ground super tired of it absolutely sick of it how much longer do you think it'll be around oh jesus i don't know last last year we had a snowstorm the first of june what yeah you never know man it'll snow two inches and melt and be 55 degrees four hours later how do you live there (laughs) <laughs> I guess I'm just used to it. Oh my God, snow! I mean, June. There is, there's no way in hell that my wife yeah. would let that happen. Not happening. <laughs> Maybe that's what thins people out from living here. I guess so. It would me for sure. <laughs> what uh, you're working out? I see on your Instagram, you're you're all over the gym. What uh, is this something yeah. that you've always done, or or is this Ted um, 2.0? So yeah, this is. This is Ted 2.0. Uh, you know, I was a college athlete, so I was in good shape yep. all the way through college. And then, um, you know, having kids and starting a job and doing things. And um, about two years ago, um, Dustin Diefendorfer, the owner of Mountain Tough, reached out to assemble a pilot class to test workouts for hunters, right? Mountain Tough's geared around yeah. backcountry hunters, but which I am not one of. <laughs> but, um, you know, I th- he knew I was an athlete and, you know, wanted to get back into it and thought it'd be a good fit for the program. And so we went through this initial 12 weeks and it was <clears throat> every day 
five days a week, and that was where um, Nate Hill, that does all his content, created all the content to be able to launch the online program. So it was a content creation slash testing the workouts, verifying them, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I get get through six, eight weeks of that and really enjoying it and get to the end and kept going. Um, kept going just normal mountain tough classes and it was in the uh, Bridger Orthopedic building here. It was in a PT clinic, which was a good fit for it. You know, you had all the sore necks racks and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, the classes got bigger and bigger and bigger and, you know, he started to take off a little bit and kind of become known around and, and then he just, gosh, it been six or eight weeks probably now um he just got his own gym it's down right next to stone glacier really really nice place um yeah i just i thoroughly enjoy the workouts it's a hell of a workout i'm in the best shape of my life to be honest right now um and yeah dustin's a great guy great people i work out at 5 30 in the morning i do the a.m class Ooh. um and it's, you know, the cool, the cool part about it is not only the people, but, you know, you go every day at the same time and you kind of, it's generally the same people in class and usually, usually about 20 of us there in the mornings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you kind of assemble this tribe, you know, and, uh, it's a cool, fun team atmosphere and everybody knows everybody and it's just a good vibe. I love it. And, and that, this workout is geared specifically for like outdoorsmen. Um, yeah, I mean, it would fit for anybody. Sure. Really. But, um, you know, heavy en- emphasis on leg strength, core strength. We don't do a ton of upper body, but we do some, uh, lots of cardio, um, lots of high intensity, you know, you'll bounce from like, uh, 10 heavy deadlifts to 15 cows on the rower back to the deadlifts and you switch it up. So it's, it's pretty intense. And you think that you're in better shape now than you were uh, being a college athlete? Um, I would say overall, yes. I don't think I'm as quick as I was. Right. I mean, I can't I can't bench as much as I used to and power clean and all that stuff. But um, honestly, I, I think I can deadlift and squat just as strong as I used to in college now. Wow. Jeez. So That's impressive then. Yeah, it's great, man. I love it. See, and, and having a group, 5.30 in the morning, that's tough to do. How many days a week yeah. are you working out? Uh, I work out five days a week at 5.30 and then Saturday mornings at night. Oof. See, five, having a group, having a tight-knit group like that, like you f- almost yeah. feel like you're letting letting the other guys down if you're not there. So. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's a huge part. Of, I think that's a huge part of the success of everybody in the local community. Mm-hmm. You know, Dustin calls it the lab. So we have... <laughs> There's three different classes a day, but that morning class, it seems to be the biggest. And I think people do that. A, it's harder to get out of bed. I think it's a, sometimes a mental game for folks to to do it every day. Um, secondly, I think the 530 class avoids any schedule conflicts, right? You get up, yep. nothing's going on, get your workout done, you got the rest of your day. And I think people kind of see that as... It's kind of a cool thing. Like, I do the early class. Like, fuck you. I don't wait till noon. I get up at five. <laughs> so, I really enjoy that morning class. A lot of good people in there. Well, and, and the rest of your day seems to zoom by. After you, it does. After you've got that good workout in, 
Um, I mean, the rest of your day almost seems like a breeze. I don't, and I've, I've talked to my wife about this. I don't know if it's, I feel more clear when I work out in the morning and I don't know if it's just the oxygen that has hit my brain. I don't know if it's the early water that's hit my system, but I definitely feel clearer. And the rest of the day seems like it's easy to me because, and I don't know if it's, like I said, I don't know if it's because I've already got a challenging thing done. I don't know if it's because I've talked myself out of getting out of my comfy bed. I don't know what right. it is, but it's definitely rewarding. I think it's a lot of factors. I think physiologically, it's good for you to get up and move before you have to think, right? Right. And then, you know, I. for me, if I sleep until 7 and get up with the kids or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm like a zombie for a half an hour. Yep. When I get up and get my workout in and get home at 6.45, you know, I can, depending on when the kids wake up, they wake up anywhere from 6.30 to 7.15 usually. Yep. But I can usually have, you know, 10 or 15 minutes to just sit down in the quiet, mm-hmm. get my shit together, and then I'm like wide awake when the kids are ready to get up. And yeah. of course, they're young, they get up and they come in hot, <laughs> like they're ready to party. And so I feel like I'm... I, I get to their level faster when I get my workout out of the way early. Definitely. Yeah, I've I've noticed that too. I got a five year old and a uh one and a half year old. And yep, yep. about seven, seven fifteen, they're yep. they're ready for the day. Like they're not just you know, me, I can have my coffee and I can read Twitter and kinda watch the news a little bit and they're like they wake up, they've they're fucking starved, it seems like, because yeah. I mean, it's time for breakfast, it's time for this, it's time for that. And our five-year-old, he's not, uh, we didn't put him in, in pre-K. He's going to start kindergarten next year. So, like, he's mm-hmm. he's just, he's a ball of energy, and he's ready for the day. And yep. like you, when you've got that workout in, you feel good. You've had a little bit of time to yourself, so you're not like, you don't feel like you're behind the eight ball uh, personally, yep. I guess is, is a good way of of describing it. But I feel more clear, and I'm on their level, just like you said, mm-hmm. whenever they're... Yep whenever they're doing their shit. Yeah, you don't feel like you're jumping into a dumpster fire. Oh. What's the uh what's the nutrition uh side of this of this workout? Um there is a dedicated nutrition program that you can follow, but you know, I've always I've always kept pretty tight and clean on a uh nutritional budget per se. I'm not really picky about it, but right. you know, I still smash a big mac here and there, but <laughs> I uh you know, another reason why I work out is I really like to drink Coors Light. So yes. if I don't work out, then I'm going to get fat. <laughs> so that's another reason why I like to do that. But, you know, I don't I don't follow a real strict, like, macro routine and do all that shit. I just eat relatively clean and work my ass off in the gym, I guess. And I think that's what I think that's what kind of scares people away from dieting, or well, we won't yeah. say dieting, eating healthy. Is you, mm-hmm. you you hear these people talking? They're like, you gotta get your macros and your micros. Just eat clean, eat whole foods, eat vegetables. Yep. Shop on the outside of the grocery store, and you're set and ready to go. You don't have like, don't overthink yep. it. Eat like your great yeah, great great grandparents ate a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yep. Meat, veggies, and rice, pasta, tours light. See, and that's my problem, too. And that's a good thing. Going back to that early workout, you feel like yep. you've earned that Coors Light at the end of the day. Absolutely. Or at 9 in the morning if you feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> Another advantage of working out early is you're working out on a fast every day. Oh, yeah? So, I mean, you sleep all night. Your, your body's burning all night. 
and then you wake up and your stomach's empty and then you hit it with a workout on a fast, you burn way more fat. Oh, I didn't know that. There's nothing in your stomach. Right. So you, so it's like you're getting added benefits that you wouldn't yep. get if you worked out after work at 6 o'clock. Correct. <clears throat> See there? That, that degree of yours came into play somewhere along, this line, along, the, along the way for you. Mm-hmm. Um, any, how old are you? 32. Oh, so you're the same age as me. Any uh, nagging injuries from your time as a college athlete? Uh, left shoulder's a little banged up still. Um, but other than that, not really. So you're in relatively good health then. You can just power through. Yeah, no, 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 I don't have anything that shuts me down, per se. Back gets a little sore if I go a little while on the deadlifts once in a while. That's about it. Yeah. What, uh, what, do you, do you, uh, do you keep this going during hunting season? That's when I always fall off is during hunting season. And the, yeah. So last hunting season, I did not, I got lazy and fat <laughs> as a waterfowl hunter uh-huh. and it sucked. Yeah. So I told myself this year, I started back up again in the spring. It was like right after I got home from seven thirty seven last year. Mm-hmm. And so I started back up again. And I told myself, I'm going to stick through it all the way through waterfowl season. And I think, and I did, for the most part, I did. I, I averaged probably three days a week during the season. That's solid. Which is enough yeah. to keep you going, you know. So That's always my biggest thing is, because <clears throat> it's seven days a week here, and the last thing I want to do, I'm already up at 3.30. Last thing I want to do is get up at 2.30 and work out, or work out after we have dinner out here and that's right. just it's just it sucks but it, it seems like i'm always restarting in february and the restarting is the hardest part oh it's, yeah it's the worst because uh, you I get, think if you can main, if you know you're going to be busy during the season if you can maintain and move even two days a week yeah is enough i'll have to try that i'm i'm i'll have to try that because like you said though and I'm in, I, I like, I'm in such a mind thing to where I, I've never really thought about doing something three days a week. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's either like, I'm either doing this five or six days a week or I'm not doing it at all. But you're right. Like yeah. I'm active enough during hunting season that three days a week would probably be enough. Oh, it would definitely maintain you for sure. Oh, I just, you wouldn't, ha- you wouldn't hit that wall in the spring of, oh shit, here we go again. Yeah. Yeah. And constantly like restarting and then stopping. And then uh, I can't tell you the dread that I feel when it's like time for push-ups and pull-ups. Because I do uh, P90X3, which is heavy on pull-ups yeah. and stuff. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, shit. Here we go again. Yeah. You, f- you see how far you've fallen in the, yeah. in the mirror? It doesn't take long either. <laughs> no, especially not yeah. at our age. Like it comes faster and faster. Yeah. I can remember when I was in my twenties and and skipping the workouts during the winter. Like I'd pick up in the in the in the spring, relatively close to where I left off. Yeah, not anymore. This father time yeah. is a bitch. It's different now for sure. Yeah, for sure. Hey, I saw a picture on your Instagram. Uh, you were in like a ghillie suit or something. Do you wear that uh, whenever you're strictly taking photographs? Oh, in that story. Yeah. No, oh, that was no, that was a hunch. Oh gosh couple of years ago um we were in an uncut barley field in like october and it was super green 
and we were just fucking around after the hunt, and I put some on my head, and I had it in the group picture. I was holding a decoy. Oh, Kevin okay. Stevens took that picture. It's hilarious. Oh, oh okay, I got you. They're just goofing around. Yeah. What's so? We'll piggyback off of that. What is a what is a setup that you've had that that's like just crazy to get a to get a shot? Is there anything that comes to mind that you've that you've done to get a to get a picture? Is there? Um, you know, like I used to spend a ton of time outside the blind, mm-hmm. just kind of hunkering in places. Um, the last last season, I think I I shot from inside the blind during the hunts a lot more than I normally do. And then just kind of, you know, sprinkle out from there. But I'd say probably my favorite angle, if it's possible, and we don't hunt against pivot heads very often, but I got one photo. It was actually on that very same hunt when I had the barley on my head. I stood on top of a pivot head with a wide angle, mm-hmm. not thinking not thinking it would work. But sure, shit, we decoyed a group of like 15 Canada's, and I got everybody coming out of the blind from above. Wow. I, I can't believe, you know, I was sticking out like a sore thumb sitting on top of that thing, but <laughs> it worked. <laughs> Is that picture on your Instagram? No, actually, Yeti bought that picture. Oh, did they? Yeah. I don't, I haven't put that one up. So if a company like Yeti buys a picture, technically is it theirs or could you still do something with it if you wanted to? Um, they outline the rights to it, like what their usage is going to be. So if they want, you know, full rights to it, then, I mean, every photo is your photo, right? You're just giving up the rights to it. Uh-huh. So then I couldn't, you know, use it or for my own benefit or sell it to somebody else or whatever. And it's usually a time frame, like they'll want it for six months if they have like a marketing campaign planned or they'll want it for a year or whatever it may be, or just a one-time email blast or it's always different. So even on a picture like, so you still, it's still your picture and Mm -hmm. after a certain amount of time, you could post it up to your Instagram if you wanted to. Yep. How hard, and, and that's all like clear language, like we have this, or is that something that you've had to figure out on your own in the industry? Um, I think both ways. You know, I think I was, I've, I've learned a lot being guided by situations where, you know, like a brand like Yeti will clearly out, outline it for mm-hmm. you. And I think a lot of, a lot of brands have kind of taken that shape because they've been doing it that way for a long time. So it seems like a lot of brands now are, are kind of working off the same program that way, which makes it easier, right? There's no gray areas. There's no bullshit. It's, this is what we're doing. This is how much money we're going to pay you. Right. Period. And this so, is how long yeah. we've got it for. Right. So how did they see it? Do you just send them a file at the end of the year? Um, yeah. Some, a lot of brands use like a, it's called a DAM, a digital asset manager. Mm-hmm. So you submit photos into it and put, you know, like location, tags, products, things. And then they can search on their end. Like if they're looking for a photo of a Hopper 12 or a, go box or whatever then they can type in that tag and it'll pull up all the photos that have been tagged with that product uh, okay so it's easy to search on their end and it's easy for photographers on our side to i guess make the photos seen right kind of organizational on both sides so it's kind of like it's kind of like an instagram you, you use hashtags and then they yeah, just search sort of like the internal one yeah yeah kind of and then what Yeti? What Yeti product was in this picture, or did they just like it because it was cool? It was just cool lifestyle. That's it. 
Oh, lifestyle shop. I wish I could see this fucking picture now, because I can't imagine. I, it's got to be fucking I think it's awesome. almost up. I can send it to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Send it to me. Send it to me whenever we're done with this. I'd love to see that. That's awesome. And I didn't, I, I'd have never thought to get on top of a pivot head to get like an action shot. You know, we've gotten, we've had, we have a lot of pivots here and guys will cl- climb on top for like, you know, setting decoys or moving the blind or whatever and kind of getting that wide angle. But not for, not for geese coming in. That would be, that would yeah, be well. rad. And I'm like, you, you had to just be sitting up there like, there's no way in hell that they're going to decoy yeah. a flock of birds with me on top yeah. of this pivot. I didn't think in a million years it would actually work, but sure shit. But digging into snowbanks or anything like that, nothing crazy like that? Oh, yeah, occasionally. Oh. I mean, it just kind of get out of the blind and find sit against the, a lot of pivot wheels. Yeah, done all, done a lot of that. That's a lot easier than digging in, but for the most part, just I tend to spend a little more time in the blind on the gun this season for some reason. Those... Now, is that a call? I mean, is that something that the market, do you notice what companies are picking up, like, photo-wise, and do you try to do more of that, or do you just try to cast a wide net? Like you said, you spent more time in the blind. Is that something that, that you realize, like, hey, companies are getting more of my photos of me inside the blind than out? Uh, what made you switch? What made you yeah, spend I think more time? a couple different factors. I you know, there's some products that can be photographed for like, you know, say like a rig right inside the blind. Um, so I did a lot of stuff like that this year. And then, you know, I honestly felt like I was just busy enough where, you know, unless I, you know, have a product like something that's coming out that can be photographed on my own time, you know, with my friends or whatever, mm-hmm. then I'll make time to shoot that. But I just felt like I was busy enough where I wanted to kill some fucking birds. So I hunted. (laughs) (laughs) I want to shoot my gun. Yeah. Can't blame you there. Whenever you're having to recreate a photo shoot, is that, or not recreate, but like you got this product and, and you're doing it with your friends. Is that awkward? I don't do a lot of that to be totally honest. Right. uh, Yeah. I think that's, you know, I don't, I don't produce a lot of volume image wise that way. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of wait for opportunities where it presents itself for the most part. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's obvious silly shit you can do to <laughs> get a quick photo that works, but I mean, I try not to yeah. if possible. So if if you're having to do a product, do you try to get it organically? Like you're on the hunt and you're yeah. actually using this versus, Hey, it's March and I got to get a picture of whatever product that it is. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, obviously, there's times during the hunt where you see something and then it disappears, so you'll say, hey, you know, do that again or something, you know, but um, yeah, for the most part, it's authentic, I think. Yeah. Those uh, those 2 by 4 blinds are the cat's meow. Yeah. They nice. are so fucking roomy. Really nice. We uh, we hunted out of a, a different brand up until this year, and then we we I hunted exclusively out of the two by four, except for a handful of times. And I would mm-hmm. I would get in these other blinds, and I'm like, oh my god, I got to get out of here. I'm getting claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. When you, yeah, I really enjoy them. I think it's a good product. I think they, oh uh, Ricky and Brett and the team over there nailed it for sure. The pockets are what I love the most. The pockets and then mm-hmm. the, the rods in the door. Yep. 
are just it's so if you're hunting a, a if if it's all snow what do you try to do with your with your a-frame at that point do you pile snow on top of it or do you just camo it normally and kind of add some shit to it uh i have snow covers for the two by four oh, okay so, so you so you do part, that and then brush yep. yep usually try and get into a fence line where we can make it not so obvious don't hunt in the middle of the field ever around here with with the frame style blinds how do you do you ever hunt in the middle of the field or not very often not very often to be honest you know our parcels of land are small enough here where you know we don't get the big huge tracks of land where you could get screwed by a, a feed yeah now for the most part if you're if you're in the field on the fence line and the birds were in the middle they'll generally come over yeah see we've just started I say just in the last five years, we've gotten to where we're mainly on. Well, in Texas, we have pivot heads, and for some reason, mm-hmm. like you can burn them on the pivot head. I never thought that it would work. If you'd asked me 10 years ago, I'd said there's no way in hell they're going to get that close to the pivot, but they do. Yep. I don't know why. Yep. And a lot of fence rows. And yep. I'm telling you what, going from the way that we used to hunt a long time ago to the way we do now, Number one, our clientele is aging. It's not it's yep. it's not a lot of young guys out here just because they don't have money. And mm-hmm. making it easier on those older guys has been all the difference in the world. And I think guys shoot better than they would oh, if they're absolutely. on the, on their back. Yeah. Yeah, your shooting percentage goes way up when you can stand up. And it's just a lot more comfortable. It's a lot more you know, you're hanging out with your friends right. in a blind where you can see each other and talk and move and it doesn't screw anything up. And it's just, you know, waterfowl is a social sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, how often do you go hunt by yourself? Not very often. Not, not very often. I mean, yes, it's great once in a while, whatever. But for the most part, you always want your buddies with you. That's half the fun of it. Yeah. Well, hunting out of the same style blinds is a lot better experience that way, for sure. And then, you know, you get them hit right and it's a hell of a lot more efficient shooting for sure 100 percent. do you do breakfast and everything up there in the blind oh yeah oh yeah lucky bastard cook a lot it's fun. lucky bastard what is it just your your regular bacon eggs or does anybody get anybody get sporty and try to do something something more oh uh, well we did uh we actually brought a camp chef oven into the blind on the river on the quack rag trip up here and we made biscuits and gravy. What? Which was kind of wild. An oven. But generally it's, generally it's little smokies, elk sausage, yeah, ash browns, you know, the regular breakfast taco shit. A freaking oven. That's yeah. badass. See, that's something I don't, we might, we might have to look into this down here cause we're doing something wrong. We have breakfast before we go and then I'm about to ready to rip somebody's head off by the time it's, by the time I finally get home. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely fun. It's not, it's not something we do every single day, but if we know we're going to be out there a while or we have, you know, for me, if I have time to be out there all day or, you know, even three quarters of the day, then we'll cook up some breakfast for sure. What's the magical time up there, like during the day? What is it? Is it right off of suns? Uh, is it right off of sunrise? Is it mid morning? What's the time that works best uh, up there for your hunting? Um, it changes as the season goes, but you know, early it's generally right at sunrise, half hour after, mm-hmm. and then 
you know, through the middle part of the season is generally that eight thirty, nine o'clock and then it depends on the weather too a lot, but you know, if it if we have consistent weather all the way through, then it's that eight thirty to nine thirty, ten. But if it's really, really cold, I mean a lot of times they won't fly till the heat of the day. Noon one, two. And then that's just a judgment call, or will you get out there at eight or nine, or do you? Or do you look uh, at the weather? I'm not patient enough to wait because <laughs> I always feel like they're going to beat us to the field. So, so that's what I'm, I'm kind of known for that around here. Like, oh fuck, Ken wants to set up at seven o'clock. We know they're not going <laughs> to fly until eleven. Uh, like, yeah, well, guess what? We're going to be there. You did, know, so. Are you waiting in the spread, or are you sitting in the truck until you start seeing some birds moving around? Uh, it depends how cold it is. Yeah, a lot of times we'll stick it out. That's when you cook the breakfast and turn on the propane heaters and stuff. But you know, if it's cold, cold, then we'll sit in the truck. I went to Alamosa. I went to Colorado hunting about fifteen years ago. No, it's less than that. About ten years ago. Anyway, we're set. It's thirty below, and for a Texas boy, thirty below, we might as well be. We might as well be in Siberia. Like I've got yeah, on cold. every piece of clothing that I've got. And we got out there about eight o'clock, got everything set up, and I, I, ne- I don't have, I, I didn't have a whole lot of greater hunting, uh, big goose hunting, and I still don't have a ton. But we got everything set up, and my buddy's dad, we see a crow fly, and he's like, "Oh, crows are flying, birds are about to start flying." We waited out there for an hour and a half before we saw our first goose it was easily 10 o'clock 10 30 before we ever even saw that first goose and we got out yeah. of the pickup at nine it was miserable miserable yeah that can turn into a long day real quick all because we saw a damn crow fly <laughs> I, i'm 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 not with it i'm not with that part no. of it so what uh when will you get fired up again it's march um, now yeah, it'll be August, September-ish again. And then what is is that going to be early season in North Dakota, or what will that be? Uh, probably, yeah, probably something in North Dakota early, some Canada's, and then back to Texas Teal, sounds like. Well, you, you fly down, I'm, I'm assuming, don't you? Where are you flying yeah. to, Houston or San Antonio? Uh, Houston. Well, that's a long way from Texas. I was going to say you can make a make a stop up here. Um, maybe shoot a dove or yeah, two. Yeah, Texas is big. It is. I think if you if you drive, like if I were to drive to say El Campo or even Houston, whatever. Mm-hmm. As soon as if I leave Bozeman, as soon as I get to the northern Texas border, I'm like halfway. Yep. Yep. That's fucking crazy. Hundred percent. It's like I think we we've done it before. I think from the northern tip of Texas to the southern tip of Texas is like twelve hours, thirteen hours. That's wild. So Houston, Houston for us, it's about eight hours away. So um, we don't expect to see you anytime soon. Do you do any dove hunting while you're down there? Uh, we did last year. Um, not this past season, the season before we did a dove hunt, but it was it was more of a beer drinking session than a dove shooting session. That's why we that's why we like it so pretty, much. Pretty low, pretty low key. Do y'all have uh, do y'all have a dove season in Montana? Yeah, we do. Yep, September one. We shoot a few. That's you know we'll we'll decoy pigeons all summer. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. We've got a few feedlots around that are pretty full. That's we've done that more and more over the last few years. That's a shitload of fun. Now, do you eat the um, pigeons? 
No shit. No, no. you just chunk them. Yeah. The, and I, I've but, seen I've seen these on Instagram. It's like big flocks of pigeons just doing it right. Oh man, it's a blast! I mean, we have full body pigeon decoys and pigeon spinners <laughs> and the whole night. <laughs> it's a hoot. You, and you just hunt a feedlot, or do you hunt off of a feedlot? Uh, generally, we've hunted, like, through the summer, if the cows are out, we'll sit in the pens and shoot the pigeons, mm-hmm. but then as soon as we get to that September 1 where we can shoot doves and pigeons, then we'll get outside of it. Because there's no season on pigeons, is there? Uh, no. No, you can hunt them year-round. See, we've got, I, I filled up at the gas station today, and there were 12 pigeons, and I was like, oh, you bastards. If I can figure out what field you're going to, I might go blaze you up. Yeah. Yeah, we had a duck hunt this year. It was me and Kevin Stevens and his dad, just the three of us, and uh, it was a field duck shoot. A few geese rattled in there, but um, we, all get, we got all set up and put a two-by-four in front of two round bales. There's fields of full of round bales. We rolled two of them together, put the blind in front, and the birds were just being finicky. We had shot that field four or five times probably and just crushed out of it this season. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking it was, you know, we did the same thing every single time. Um, but we got set up and the birds were just being finicky. Weather changed. It was windy, shitty, whatever. But then the pigeons showed up. <laughs> and we sat there for like two hours <laughs> shooting fucking heavy X. That pigeon. That I don't pigeons. know how much. I don't know how much ammo we burned through, but we were laughing like freaking children <laughs> shooting pigeons. We shot like fifty or sixty pigeons, the three of us, <laughs> with a dollar thirty a shot yeah. ammo. Yeah, like <laughs> just couldn't stop. Yeah, you're so not. Much sh- fun. You're not shooting low brass cheap lead at them. You're, you're shooting the high no, dollar you, shit. You don't bring that shit on a duck hunt. If I'd have known, I would have said, "Screw the ducks and screw the- shoot pigeons with lead." But <laughs> <laughs> just Don't dare be caught out there with both both flavors of ammo you know no hell no that's a that's a bad thing waiting to happen yeah it's always got to be the the expensive brand that you're right. burning the pigeons up with i've seen it i i want to i want to do it i we don't have the pigeon population here for some reason but when i was growing, i think we're going to get it one day because when i was growing up i don't ever remember seeing any pigeons here and now we've got 12 so listen well, things are looking up well they're they're a feral animal so they will multiply Oh hell yes they will. Especially, <laughs> I might have to I might have to help the breeding and maybe stock the population with some pigeons. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're they're a shitload of fun to shoot for sure. And it would be beneficial to us to do it because then you got an afternoon hunt for some guys. If the duck hunting's a little slow, be like, hey, yeah. listen, we got a pigeon spot that you guys can yeah, just I mean, go burn through some shells. I mean, there's guys guiding for them. Yeah. Yep. Up Midwest. In, I know there's a couple guys in Idaho that do it that just. And they shoot the shit out of them. Yeah, I think in West Texas they do it too, like up in uh, Lubbock, mm-hmm. uh, up in the Lubbock area. They just yeah. burn the shit out of pigeons. Um, it's fun. What? Uh, so, how many off the top of your head? How many pictures did you take this last winter? Do you have any idea? Uh, probably. I don't know, twenty thousand, probably. Ooh, shit. And out of, out of the 20,000, how many will you send to different companies to hope to get picked up? Probably 5%. 5%. Wow. And then the rest just sit on an SD card? The rest sit on the hard drive. That's, yeah. but, but 
I mean, that. how do you go through the culling process of, okay, this picture is good enough to keep, but not good enough to send? Um, I'll get in, so I'll dump every photo from a shoot, and then I'll go through and use the starring system on Lightroom. So every picture, I'll just go through everything really quickly, everything that's in focus, usable, halfway decent. I'll three-star it, and then I'll get up, leave the computer, you know, for a little while, clear my head, go back, pick back through all the three-stars again, and eliminate them again and four-star them mm-hmm. if they make the cut. And then I'll take a break and come back, and I'll pick through the four-stars and five-star them. And those are anything that I feel are usable for either sale or marketing or whatever else. How long does this process take? Is this like a full day to go through yeah, all the pictures? Yeah, a couple of days usually. And you know, I'm, go ahead. I'm pretty quick when I sit down and do it, but I get my mind gets plugged up if I look at too many photos. Oh, I can imagine so. Yeah. I mean, that'd be like I always look at the uh, you know those singing contest. Like I couldn't imagine the blind like your ears would just have to be on fire. At, oh, at some, sure. and I, you know, the same thing. Like you're looking at just tons of photographs, and I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of the photos, there's not much difference between one and two. Like if you're, you know, if you if you're just ripping the camera, there's probably not right. a whole lot of distinction between one or the other. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times, just a little bit, you know, a little, small difference in focus, or you know, one little part of the image is a little sharper than the other between frames, or you know, I, I'm not real strict on those ones. I just kind of pick like two out of a, you know, 30 shot burst or whatever. Right. So they are pretty much exactly the same. But yeah, I, I whip through those those chunks pretty quick. Ah, oh, jeez. I, I mean, your eyes just have to be like, no more, please. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't look at another picture. Yeah, I don't have the attention span to sit there for for a long period of time anymore. I used to. I don't anymore for some reason. And is that is this something that that you've gotten better with as you've progressed in your career as a as a photographer of kind of knowing what to keep? Like when you were first starting, did you just keep everything? Um, you know, I try to always keep everything. You know, a lot of times, like I'll, I'll even go back now if if I'm sitting on the computer or whatever, and I'll go back two years and look through a shoot, and I'll find stuff I like better now than I did at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so being able to go back and I guess seeing how you evolved, how your eye has evolved and how your editing style has changed and I mean, it's good to keep yourself fresh, I guess, on that, that front. But, you know, you never know, like a brand will reach out for a photo that you have, but you've never done anything with. Right. So you can pick back two years and shit, deliver a photo, you know. Now, is that fun to see, like how you've, like you said, evolved? Is that is that kind of mm-hmm. neat to look back on and see? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. And like, for example, that I just had a two-page um, spread in the latest Ducks Unlimited magazine. Mm-hmm. They reached out to me for that photo. I took that photo like five years ago. Totally oh. forgot about it. And I'm like, shit, I hope I still have it. Yeah. <laughs> I jump on the computer and click back into 2006. I guess it was like 2017, early 16 season even. How did they? Anyways. How did they know you had it? 
it was sitting on my website, and I don't, you know, I don't have a real fancy website. It's just a smug mug with yeah. some galleries and shit. Cause uh-huh. I, I mean, I need to, I need to redo my website, hundred percent. I just haven't. <laughs> but he got on there. The editor got on there and found it on there, and like shit, sent me a screenshot. We'd like to purchase. I said, okay. Well, pray to God, uh, I still got it. Yeah. No shit. Ran upstairs right away. I'm like, please God. <laughs> So is this magazine out? Is this something, or is this coming out? It's out. It just came out. It just came out. Yeah, a week week ago, I guess. I got my copies on, uh, fuck, what day is it? Today's Wednesday. Wednesday? Must have got them on Monday. Oh, okay. So people can see it. If they go get the uh, latest edition of Ducks Unlimited, they can see your work. It's in there. That's, That's so awesome. And, I, and thank God that you still had it. What could could he have gotten it off of your smug mug if you didn't have it on your hard drive? Uh, it probably wouldn't have worked because the smug mug is all over res. Oh, okay. And if they're blowing it up, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. Yeah, it wouldn't be sharp enough. Uh, I see. So uh, let's wrap this up real quick. If what's the piece of advice? And we probably asked you the last time we had you on here for the up and coming photographer. It's March now. What can't what what would you start out on if you're the up and coming photographer for this next season? What gear do you need? Minimum to get the best photograph. Well, what's what's the best photograph? Crystal clear. You know? Crystal clear. I don't know. Fuck, I don't know. You know, I've been you're I've expert. been shooting a lot of prime lenses lately. Um, my favorite right now is the Sigma Art 105 1.4. It is the sharpest piece of glass I've ever shot. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Do something different. Shooting primes where you don't have an option to zoom is challenging, but generally those, those primes will produce sharper images. A little better than low likes. Generally they're 1.4 aperture or 1.8. Um, but that's, I mean, that's what I shot. I shot a shitload with that this season. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Do do you just like get like a wild hair? Like I'm gonna change lenses today. Yeah, I do. I get bored quick with lenses for sure. How often do you do you do you shoot for several days, or do you change your lens a couple times during a hunt or a session? I'll change it a bunch of times. I'll shoot two bodies with two different lenses mostly, but then I'll end up changing. Right, and just one does something a little bit different than the other one does. Yeah, so I'll run like a seventy to two hundred for dog retrieves or birds or whatever else, and then. Something a little more artsy, like a fourteen to twenty-four, or uh, that one hundred and five on the other body. Has uh, has some of these editing softwares? Has it almost taken? Um, let me think how to phrase this. Has it taken some of the need for a good eye out of uh, photography with some of the like some of the newer guys? Like, do they rely too heavily on these editing softwares? Um. I don't know. I think, I think you always have to start with a, a, a you know, a good image. Mm-hmm. You got it. Doesn't matter what the hell you do to a, an image if you don't start with a, you know, a good canvas. Then it's it doesn't really matter what you do editing wise. But you know, everybody has their own style. You know, it's, I'm not real heavy into over editing, I guess. Um, but it, it's it's nice to be able to change your images and fit your style. Right. For sure, it makes it real easy to do that. Yeah. How have you seen your style change since when you first started? 
Um, you know, I've I've always gotten bored of just the general like folks carrying dead things and you know the the real basic things. So I've I've been pushing more towards image quality, mm-hmm. like just crazy about being super sharp. Right. Um, so I would say that's probably been my focus over the last couple of years, honestly, is this image could always be sharper. Right. So. That, that's interesting. And I, I mean, it's gotta be so cool to see some of your early work and think, what in the hell was I thinking? <laughs> what in the fuck? <laughs> Trying to pass this piece of shit off. Yeah. That's awesome. How are, uh, how are the, how are the dogs? How are the attack dogs? Still going strong? Oh, they're doing good. I got, yep, I got a new one. I picked up a Yzma. She's really cool. She's two years old. She's a badass. Really? Um, yeah, and then about, I've had Yzma a week, probably. Mm-hmm. And I had Biscuit. Her real name's Biscayne. She's from the National Parks Litter. But her owners renamed her after a, they wanted a breakfast food. <laughs> So they renamed her Biscuit, Biscuit, which is neither here nor there, whatever. <laughs> um, but she was a sweetheart, too. They're just, I mean, they're all different, but they're all, you know, you can tell their training comes out in them because they're, they're all pretty similar. They're land sharks. They're awesome. Um, how, do you have to, like, go through different, do you have to, like, keep their training up? You know, do you, do you take them to this center where they can, you know, go through whatever, you know, knock the rust off, basically? Like, like with my lab, I try to get them out and freshen them up. Do you have to mm-hmm. freshen these dogs up at all? Um, yeah, you know, my role in this is getting them in the home situation before they go to their actual homes. Right. So, like, you know, I'll, I'll go to the ranch and run them through the Phoenix and do all the crazy shit jumping over the walls and all that but i mean that's what the trainers that work there full-time are for they, they do that every day all day right mm-hmm. when i have a single dog in the house it's just letting them wrestle the kids be around the chaos you know get on a schedule of sleeping in a kennel right all night long and no whining and no sniffing shit and oh. you know being outside off lead and being able to go to the bathroom and not chase a rabbit, you know, shit like that is what I'm doing here. Yeah. How, how do you break the no sniffing stuff? I gotta, I, I gotta pick your brain about that. Um, I mean, honestly, from when they're a puppy, they're, they're given a command, no sniff uh-huh. and they're just corrected constantly. Huh. So I, that is the command. It's no sniff. No Leave sniff. It. I've got a yep. dog that will get panties quite regularly and yep. I get my ass chewed out whenever he gets the the panties out of the dirty clothes. So <laughs> we're gonna have to figure something out. Yeah. Have yeah. Ha, have you had a dog yet that that you got in this home environment and you're like, oh shit, we're gonna have to figure something else out. Uh, yeah. There's the one I had. I guess two dogs previous to Isma was a challenge. Really, really high energy, super uh, high energy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I worked on it for a few days and it was just like not working around the kids, like full on bowling ball type shit. And <laughs> just wasn't, it wasn't going to work. But nothing as far as like aggression towards you or the kids or oh, anything no. like that. No, no. 
no, no issues there. It's just, you know, the energy levels are different. Are different, and that one was a little much. Is it hard uh, letting these dogs go? Like, yeah, you is. know, I mean, they get they're a part of the family. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I've gotten real close to. There's a few of them that stand out for sure, but um, you know, my we have them for a period of time, and then my my wife starts to enjoy having them around too. Right. And so, you know, she she gets this connection to the girl dog and i mostly have females for some mm-hmm. reason i've had one male that's really awesome but um yeah this one yzma she's infatuated with now so how long will you keep the dogs for is it six weeks two months how long uh no it's generally just a couple weeks a couple weeks three oh weeks at the most. wow man that's uh that'd be difficult because you, you know you you just kind of figure out all the dog's quirks and then it's time to let them go but yeah, it's what you signed it's up hard, for. It's hard, but it's part of the job. I, I mean, I sure appreciate having them around. It's a lot of fun to have them in the house for sure. Yeah. So. How much of the, how much of the, uh, like physical training have they gone through by the time they get to you? Oh, uh, they're fully trained when they come here. They're fully trained. So somebody yep. comes in the house, you pick yep. the wrong place to come into. Yep. Really? How do you, how do they, uh, you said you keep them in a kennel all night. What if you like? What if you needed yep. them in the middle of the night? Are they close? Uh, by? They would bark, bark oh. like crazy if there was an issue. You know, I think I keep them in a kennel just because that's what I think I need to do in my own house. If it was my dog and I was going to have Yzma forever, I would transition her up to like a dog bed at the foot of the bed. Right. Yeah, that would make way more there. sense. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's what that's what owners do, but. You know, for me, convenience-wise, and not having to worry about pissing in the house or whatever, or pissing off my wife, I just, I create them up. <laughs> You're living the dream, my man. You're living the dream. Trying to. I, uh, it's always a pleasure. I'm going to let you go. It's been a pleasure talking to you, as always. Uh, right, brother. And if you ever need anything, if you're ever down in our neck of the woods, please, please give us a call. We'd love to have you out and uh, yes, drink a couple of those Coors Lights. Oh, more than a couple. More than a couple. And where can people see your uh, awesome images at if they want to buy one, maybe? Oh, Instagram. Instagram's I the best place. Be the best bit. Yep. Perfect. And that's pretty easy. Ted Wells Images, right? P. Wells Image, yep. Perfect. Well, Ted, I appreciate you. Uh, have fun in quarantine. Don't go crazy. And uh, don't pull a hammy doing those crazy workouts, okay? <laughs> I hope I don't. See, I'll talk to you later, Ted. All right, man. Take care. Bye. The great Ted Wells, ladies and gentlemen. Awesome guy. Awesome guy. Uh, We got a giveaway going on. Million downloads. We're going to draw it on Monday. So be sure to go to my Instagram and get entered to win that. Uh, That's all we got for here. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. And thank you to our wonderful sponsors. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. (laughs) 